This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Friday. Friday, got to get down on Friday, August 13th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Technically, it's a Blue Friday. Got a preseason game tomorrow. Generally, preseason games are frustrating because you get a taste of what football is like, but it's not the football that you're hoping for. This is the game where you get to watch a bunch of young players fight and scrap for the possibility of being a roster member, if not maybe a starter or eventually down the road, I don't know, someday turning into some sort of incredible story where an afterthought player has some sort of Terrell Davis-esque preseason, and the next thing you know, he's a NFL Hall of Famer. But that's generally not something that happens. For the most part, you're just watching to see some of the backups. And maybe, just maybe, some starters be determined over the next couple of games. What are you going to be looking for on Saturday night? What are you most curious about? 710-710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me at Galant says, I'm going to lay out real quick everything I'm looking for. Number one, we're likely going to see some sort of vanilla version of whatever the Seahawks offense will be when the regular season starts a little less than a month from today. But I really want to see this fast, quick, more hungry, up-tempo offense. I want to see glimpses of it. I want to see the Seahawks actually try to put the Las Vegas Raiders on their heels more often than not in tomorrow night's game. And I think that's something that the Seahawks can do without tipping their hand too much. This is going to be, I guess, the first taste that we get of Shane Waldron. And again, I imagine it's going to be a lot like those samples that you might get at the grocery store. I don't know if they're going to be given a second. But just show that tempo. Show off that speed that we were hoping for at times over the course of Russell Wilson's career to see more of. And that I think you need to see more of this coming season just given the way that the season ended for the Seahawks last year. What else am I looking for? Well, I think that cornerback is the most intriguing position to spotlight in this game. And one of the unfortunate parts about watching a preseason game on television is that it's generally difficult to see the goings-ons for defensive backs snap to snap to a point where you're actually going to be able to make a judgment on if that guy was in the right coverage, if he was in the right zone. But with DJ Reed, probably one of the Seahawks' two starting cornerbacks and hurt, who's going to line up on the opposite side of DJ Reed? I think you're going to find that out in this game. Is it going to be Trey Flowers, who... I know a lot of you are probably rolling your eyes. We've heard this before. We know what happens in games. He gets called for penalties. He loses his confidence, but he's having a good training camp. Is it going to be Trey Flowers who can make the kind of plays in his first preseason game again with the 2021 Seahawks? Is he going to be able to make the kind of plays that put him ahead of Akello Witherspoon, who's in his first game period with the Seattle Seahawks? I'm wondering about that one. Flowers has looked good. 
And then there's another guy that also is, I think, going to try and fight his way into the conversation, and he's been looking pretty good. Recently, yesterday, he had another good day. He's had a couple of games, excuse me, practices this week where he's been making plays. That's Trey Brown, your rookie fourth-round pick. He saw time at left corner with the first-team defense yesterday. He made a play covering DK Metcalf, and we know Trey Brown's not very big either, sort of in that DJ Reed, Ugo Amadi size. Is he going to be able to do anything to rise the cornerback ranks? If he makes plays, honestly, maybe there is a chance that this is a guy that we could be seeing a whole lot of this coming season. So that's on the outside corner spot. As far as your nickel corner spot, that's probably the best positional battle that we'll have. Because Marquise Blair and Hugo Amati are going to make the team. But they're competing against one another, you would think at least, for the de facto nickel cornerback spot. Will a performance Saturday night, the rest of the preseason games, determine that either Blair or Amadi is the regular guy at nickel corner? Or could it be some sort of a timeshare position this season? Also intriguing. I don't know how long we will see the first team offense in tonight's game, if we see it at all. But I do think that we will see rookie sixth-round pick Stone Forsyth. He has been working with the first-team unit on offense at practice. He is a six-foot-eight monster, and he really just jumps at, at you with that size that he has. He's going to be going up against real pass rushers in an actual game situation. Full pads. How raw is he going to look? Will there be glimpses of him being a guy who can start to open the year on the off chance that Dwayne Brown isn't available week one? He's played at a high level before. SEC football is about as good as it gets, especially when it comes to going up against really good pass rushers. Forsyth is a Florida Gator. How is he going to look, though, now that he's moving up to the big boy ranks? And he's going to be in there, I would imagine, early, meaning he's probably going to get as good of a challenge as he will get all preseason long with that first series that he goes up against the defense. Also, Kyle Fuller, I'm curious about him at center because it does sound like the center position is maybe up for grabs more so than we thought. Other things I'm keeping an eye on. Michael Bumpus has been all over this, but if you've been out there at training camp, you've seen that Freddie Swain's been looking really good. Colby Parkinson's also been getting a ton of opportunities. Is Parkinson going to continue to make the most of the chances that he gets out there? Because, man, you go to training camp practice, it's hard to not see Colby Parkinson do something. He's out there a lot. He's getting all sorts of opportunities. He's a big tight end who's got a little bit of speed, not a ton of speed, but he's somebody, too, that I'm hoping gets a serious amount of work in this game coming out of tight end U, or one of the tight end U's. After that, defensive line-wise, you got a lot of young players who are going to be competing for time. Alton Robinson is someone who, having four sacks last year, which was second most in the NFL among rookie pass rushers, he's got a leg up, I would imagine, on just about everybody else, the veterans. But how's LJ Collier going to look? Former first-round pick, how's Rasheem Green going to look? Guy who joined us on Danny and Gallant this week. A bunch of different pass rushers are going to be thrown out there. The Seahawks have a lot of different guys on the defensive line. And after the people that you're probably relying on the most, Benson Mayoa, Kerry Hyder, who's going to be the guys that you look at this year and think to yourself, wow, that guy really took a step forward. Are they going to have anybody like that? And the last thing, 
Safety Ashari Crosswall, he's been your training camp hero thus far. What's he going to be in a game situation? And also at wide receiver, you got some questions at the very bottom of the depth chart, especially with Dwayne Eskridge injured. Between John Ursua and Aaron Fuller, who's going to maybe take that fifth, fourth wide receiver spot on this team? So lots of things that I'm looking for, but I want to know what you guys are looking for. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text on. You got any questions as well? At Kalan says on Twitter, you get to call in 206-421-3776 at 10.15. Your chance to be heard. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. But right now, it is 1010. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by King Seating and Air with Maura Dooley. What's up, Maura? Hey. Howdy. I kind of wish this preseason game was tonight. Like, I'm actually really excited to see some of these Seahawks guys. And I know, like we said, once you get into the game, sometimes you're like, eh, this isn't the level that I wish it was. But I do feel like there's a lot up in the air for the Seahawks, a lot of positions that I want to see how people look. What's number one on your mind? Uh, I definitely want to see how the cornerbacks look because I I feel like they're, I don't know, that there is still room. I like Trey Flowers. I know that he takes a lot of heat. I definitely think last year he had completely lost his confidence, but I think up until that point, he was pretty good overall. He just had moments where he, you know, shouldn't have put hands on someone at the last second, and he right. did. Um, so I still think there's a shot for him. Um, at, like Michael Bumpus told us earlier on Danny and Gallant, I do think it's a good point that he's going to be there no matter what. Yeah. So at least the fact that he's playing better is a good sign in case there is an injury and he needs to step in or something. There are he doesn't necessarily win a starting role. Right. There are, and there are a lot of parallels between he and Akella Witherspoon. They're both tall guys. And, and, and as you mentioned with Trey Flowers, the confidence issues, that's something that Akella Witherspoon had himself in 2019. Like they're, they are weirdly similar. The difference is Trey Flowers is somebody who – played safety in the past, and I, I think it's getting more and more used to the position. What's Weatherspoon going to be? Yeah, it, that that part's probably the most exciting as far as uh, tomorrow night's game. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to get started, too. I, I, I wouldn't mind it being tonight. I, I kind of want to just like get into it hook, line, and sinker. Let's go. Yeah, but we'll wait till tomorrow. I'm also a little excited to see the running back position beyond Carson and Penny. Maybe see if DJ Dallas has, you know, emerged a little more from last year. I like him a lot. I do, too. He can catch. He's been getting some chances in training camp, too. I'm starting to wonder with Rashad Penny and the injury if if maybe they start thinking about some of those guys that are lower on the depth chart. Alex Collins, who had a nice play in the mock game, too, who a lot of people are high on. Yeah, those guys are definitely going to get a lot of looks tonight. I'm excited, even if it is just preseason. Football! <laughs> All right, moving to baseball. Marco Gonzalez pitched the M's first complete game this season in their 3-1 win over the Rangers yesterday. He explained post-game what he channeled for such a strong performance. My mom and dad and, and my mom's mom, my grandma, flew in uh, you know, yesterday. And uh, it's, just, it's just special to have family here, you know. Um, first time my dad and grandma met the baby and... Um, you know, obviously to have, you know, Monica and Grace here, it's just, it's just special times, man. I've been, been waiting on this dad's strength to come around and, uh, yeah, it's just, it just feels good to, to feel like I have my feet under me and, and, uh, you know, pitch with my heart and, and go out there and, and have fun. That made me laugh. Dad's strength. Dad's strength activated. Maura, he's been on a tear. I mean, if you take a look at his numbers this month, 0.83 ERA, 0.6 walks, hits per inning pitched over 21 and two-thirds innings. It's one thing when you're doing this against Texas, who isn't very good, but he's been on a roll. And the Mariners' starting pitching's been on a roll. 
I don't know what the realistic expectations are for the Mariners the rest of the way. I don't think playoffs are among them. I would like to see them at the very least be the last team out in the American League wildcard race, if that's even possible. I don't know. I think it's very, very unlikely. They're getting enough from the starting pitching, though, to make it happen. They just got to score. Three runs against Texas. Come on. I know. I heard Mike Flowers bring up a good point on the pregame yesterday that we haven't really talked about that uh, with all the youth that they have and with the fact that there was a shortened season last year, so many of these guys haven't played a full MLB season. And he's like, this is the time of year where it starts to grind and wear on you. So it could be a factor, some fatigue in the fact that the the offense was you know starting to spike and now it's dipping again. Leading by example, Marco Gonzalez being able to be the guy that's over the course of this long grind where he's had a kid too. Yeah. Figure it out and all of a sudden that that's that's been good to see. So yeah, maybe there's a carryover effect, but that's a good point by Blowers. This is it's 162 games for a reason. Yeah. All right. Uh we will check in on things uh for the Seahawks contract contract standoffs. It sounds like we shouldn't be expecting movement anytime soon on either Jamal Adams or Dwayne Brown. Uh, first, an update from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN on Jamal Adams. This is a pure standoff right now. I'm told Jamal, Jamal Adams has conviction. He believes in what he's worth. He's got a number in mind, whatever that is. He is clinging to it. Uh, it has to do with guarantees and structure, and there are a lot of things with the contract that they have to work out. So Seattle has tried to get this to the finish line. They're well above what the market is for the top highest paid safety. So they're willing to go so far, but I'm told they're not budging. Adams is not budging. This could get very interesting because Seattle's stuck business-wise. Unless they get Jamal Adams' deal done, they're going to have some hard times getting any sort of free agency moves done on the side. they got to sign left tackle Dwayne Brown, too, who's also holding in. He's not practicing. So everything sort of hinges on them getting past this hurdle. They can't seem to do it. You know, if this lingers, this could weigh down the team a little bit and have an after effect. That last part sounds like it's coming from Jamal Adams' agent. Whenever I hear the word showdown, I can't help but think of spaghetti westerns, which my dad and I uh, used to watch a whole lot when I was growing up as a kid. And you get that awesome music by, I believe, Ennio Morricone. See, my voice is kind of back, so I can almost do it. This is not a big deal yet. It could be. It's not a big deal yet. But with Dwayne Brownmore, we're, we're, we found out some different news, I guess, more recently from the Seattle Times. Yeah, Bob Condota reports that the team has told Brown they want to keep him, but they'd like to wait until after the season to discuss a new deal, which is not what he wants to hear. He has sat out before to make a point. I don't think that's too far. That's too out of the realm of possibility. And with that in mind, I would, as I have said a couple of times now on this show this week, I would be willing to give him an extra year. Because I feel like you have a pretty good feeling for what he's going to be both this year and next year, which is a plus left tackle, which is so hard to find in this league. That is more Dooley, everybody, with What's Trending, brought to you by King Seating and Air. 710-710 is the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. Text line 206-421-3776 is how you call in. What are you looking for in tomorrow night's preseason game? Your responses to that question right now, your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Let's go to Twitter first. So I throw this question out there. I always get annoyed when somebody who clearly is not listening to the show 
and also is just some rando, weighs in. Some dude named Miggy tweeted in response a picture of the Oakland A's mascot underneath a wave, and it says, ride the wave. And I'm just like, can we, do do, do we really want to hear from A's fans? Can A's fans just shut up? You know, your, your team doesn't matter, and oh, it's leaving. Oh, no, now you got him started. Listen, this person, I think, knew what was happening more. They probably, maybe maybe they did actually understand the radio show. That's the show. way that everyone knows they can distract you and get you to go on an A's rant. <sighs> Shut up. The Augusters are not they're not <laughs> relevant. No one cares. They're not gonna do anything this year. And and why are you responding this to a question about the Seahawks? Why? Have fun when they move. Uh other responses on Twitter. Uh, Daniel, who is a European Seahawks fan, I just hope I stay awake. Fair point. Uh Brad Buckingham responds, Shane Waldron's play calling. The play calling is not as much what I'm looking for as it's the rhythm, it's the tempo, it's the speed with which this offense moves. To the text line, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. A couple of people throwing some flags on my uh, Florida Friday shirt. It's a bunch of tigers. It's white and black. I think it looks stupendous, and y'all are just a bunch of haters. Colby Parkinson texts the 425, 6'7", catching the ball over people. Parkinson and Full contact. This is what I really want to see. What's he going to be like when guys can actually lower a shoulder into him? I mean, if you watch the mock game this past Sunday, there was a play where he caught a post over the middle and two Seahawks defenders, like, two-way and touched him. I want to know what Parkinson is really like in traffic when he's got guys that are willing to try and lay him out because they're trying to make a roster and show that they can hit guys Marquise Blair style over the middle. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can again text in 2710710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Evans and Pialop. Evan, what are you most interested in in tomorrow night's Seahawks preseason game? Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime, Evan. I think uh, definitely the cornerback position. You just talked about Blair, Nickel, and outside cornerback, seeing who gets rotated in and out in performance over Saturday and the preseason is definitely that. And then kind of also – the line, seeing who's going to play that uh, outside pass rush, if it's going to be Darrell Taylor or who they're going to fit in that spot where uh, KJ was at last year. Yeah, the Sam linebacker position. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. That, is, that is a great one. You know, we haven't seen Darrell Taylor, period. I'm curious as to how they play this because, on one hand, he's got legitimately zero NFL experience. I mean, not even preseason experience, but really talking about with him. Because he was dealing with that shin injury basically all of last year. Do you play him? Or are you cautious about playing him because of the injury? I hope we see him out there. He's number 52 for those who don't know, in case you haven't seen him out there yet. He's definitely fast. It's an interesting position to put him at just given what he was doing at Tennessee. 710-710, the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. One person keeps asking, if Flowers is the breakout star, will this be the Legion of Boom? No, no. They got to, look, they, at cornerback, you can't say either of those guys right now could be Richard Sherman. You can't. Maybe a year from now, we can start entertaining something like that. But come on. You know, 
it's not going to happen again. I, I think you just have to accept it, especially with the way that defenses have changed across the NFL. You know, I don't know that a Cam Chancellor type is really allowed in today's NFL anymore. 206-421-3776, all the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. What are you looking for the most in tonight's, or excuse me, tomorrow night's preseason game? Let's go to Robert in Kingsgate. Robert, what's up? Hey, Paul. Um, sorry to kind of change the question. I guess I'm looking for it in the whole preseason. Mm-hmm. I want to see how Richard Penny's going to do. I guess he's not going to be playing tomorrow yeah, or Saturday. But I really want to see how this guy is going to play since he's playing for a contract, basically. Penny being hurt hurts him, I think, tremendously as far as being able to hold off opportunities from other running backs, for other running backs. like I, I think DJ Dallas is somebody who's going to get some serious work. And I think that with what you've seen out of Dallas in training camp, it's a guy who's a lot more confident in his position in the offense and also somebody that Russell Wilson seems pretty comfortable throwing the football to. Penny's, I guess, skill that he brings to the table that maybe these other running backs don't have is that he's got that home run ability, but... I felt that he's been tentative when running in training camp, and that was when he was healthy. So you have Alex Collins in the mix as well. Penny's Penny's going to make the roster, but I, I do wonder how much Penny gets used this year and how healthy he'll be able to be for the full 17-game slate. I'm Paul Galanis, the Paul Galan Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, 710-710. That's the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me, at Galan says, what is it that you are looking for? In tomorrow night's preseason game, let's talk to somebody who's going to be there. I want Dave Wyman about that next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. And joining me now, he gets to go to Vegas. This is an outrage. Why don't I get to go? I'm cool. I'm hip. Dave Wyman, what's up, man? Hey, uh, I, by the way, we're, it's not going, we're not going anywhere cool or hip. I think we're going to like a retirement community 45 minutes north of Las Vegas, by the way. And I think that's where uh, all the, the teams, when they go to Vegas, it's not like they're checking in at Caesars Palace. To, you know, they're, they're, take, they're taking these guys way, like, you know, 45 minutes outside of Las Vegas to stay. So that solves that problem for in case any guys wanted to, you know, go and maybe <laughs> put $100 on black. Well, well, I mean, that is true, but it's less than an hour away. I mean, if you're, if you're in the area, <laughs> why not? I, I would certainly well, be tempted. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing is with all the the protocols and everything like that, they're, you know, making sure guys are being really careful and, you know, putting a lot on them about, you know, don't knock somebody out by, you know, you doing this and that. And, you know, everybody's got their little tracking chip and things like that. So, yeah, I think they've done a pretty good job of instilling that. Plus, you know, the other thing, especially in this situation, you're vying for a job that's going to pay you more than 99% of people in this country, and so you better take it pretty seriously. That is true. That is true. But if you're a starter, I don't know. Maybe maybe you could get away with certain things. But <laughs> let, let's let's move into the actual game Listen itself. To you. You're bad, Paul. You're bad. Vegas Paul evil. is is evil. He uh, he he enjoys <laughs> Vegas a little bit too much. Pool parties are where it's at. Anywho, uh, the game itself. 
preseason games, you don't traditionally see a whole lot of complicated scheming on offense, on defense. But do you think that we're going to see that Shane Waldron tempo that we have seen a lot of in training camp in the game? Or do you think it will be something that's maybe closer to just operating, I guess, as close to basics as possible, maybe to make it a little bit more simple for some of the young guys who are going to be in there? Yeah, well, I, I think they're just going to run kind of the, the basic part of their offense. And, you know, and the, the question has been asked, how much are they going to show out there? You know, I, I've said this before, Paul, that, like, just because it's so different, it's not like the guys are going to line up backwards or, you know, get on each other's shoulders or anything. I mean, these are still just football plays. You know, it's just a different kind of style and, you know, sort of shifting and motioning. and But everybody does that, you know. I'm just I'm watching the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia preseason game, and they just shifted like three times before the snap. And, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think one thing to look for, and, and this is just really my thought, I think it's you have Jared Goff, right? Jared Goff, his football IQ compared to Russell – is to me vast i mean on the downside so you know i think what he was able to do and what they're able to do down there is make some pretty easy throws for the quarterback and make it pretty easy to go through you know kind of a progression that's something russell did not have last year it was too hard it was way too hard for him Mm. and there was just nowhere to go and i think that what you're going to see and we're kind of seeing at practice is that yeah, they're going to take their deep shots downfield. Like yesterday was deep ball day. I was, you know, and Trey Flowers, by the way, just had a fantastic day. Knocked down two passes covering DK Metcalf. But you know, they were throwing the ball deep. But a lot of times, you know, there's just a nice little easy check down, or a little. And certainly, if Russ gets in the game, they're going to have something that no D lineman even gets close to him. So it's going to come out of his ball. Or I'm sorry, the ball's going to come out of his hand really quickly. I think. And then they're going to get him out of there. But I think you can, you're going to see a lot of that with the second and third string guys as well. That you're going to see, uh, like you said, an up tempo. And I, I'm looking for, I think that's the thing I'm going to keep my, my eye on. How many nice, easy passes are there for the quarterback in this offense? Okay. Defensively, how do you handle Daryl Taylor, who had the shin injury that was nagging him basically all of last year? On one hand, you want him to get actual football reps because he hasn't had many of them. But on the other, he, along with a lot of other players out there, you're probably going to be pretty careful about how much you use him. I think one of the funny things, and I'm sure you got a kick out of this if you did see it on Hard Knocks, Dave, was watching Micah Parsons, who wanted to stay out there so badly. And then he gets that call from Dan Quinn, and Quinn's like, yeah, man, you're out. And he's like, man, this is terrible. i got to sit here the rest of the game. But what would you do with Daryl Taylor yeah. if you're the Seahawks uh, for tomorrow's game? I also enjoyed that. And he was him trying to beg Dan Quinn for more. Yeah. He's like, nope, nope, you're done. You're done. <laughs> well, you, saw Dak, you saw Dak Prescott doing the same thing. You know, right. he, he also was trying to get, get in there. And so that's, you know, that's really how, how guys are. I mean, and that you love seeing that kind of hunger. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that he's going to have any special, you know, that they're going to – you know, take care of him physically. I, I think they'll they'll let him go out there and let it rip a little bit. And you know, it's kind of interesting uh, talking about him playing as a linebacker because you know they're they're just trying to get him out there on the field. I think they want to get their best players out there. And so, um, but uh, yeah, I think I, I think you'll see him play a good amount. Um, he's he, 
I'm really excited to see him because you hear so much about him. Yeah. And I gotta be honest, we've been doing our show during practice, so I haven't seen a whole lot of him, you know, as far as dropping in coverage and stuff like that. But it sounds like he's got an act for it, just kind of like Jordan Brooks. Talked to Jordan Brooks yesterday about that, and you know, he picked up the coverage part of it really quickly because he was almost like a on the line type of you know man to man guy or blitzing or spying or whatever. He never hardly dropped back into coverage, and he picked it up really quickly. So. Um, I really like Daryl Taylor. We interviewed him, and he just was very expressive. And yes. I just liked everything I heard from him. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a good pro football player. It's just, it, it, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh, his his reps and how they handle that. I, I think we're going to see a lot of the second and third string guys out there. But um, yeah, he's going to be one to keep your eye on, definitely. With things awkward between the Seahawks and Dwayne Brown right now, Stone Forsythe is also someone I'm I'm really I- intrigued by. And I mean, Dave, I, I feel like he's the biggest dude I've ever seen on a football field. Going out oh, there at training yeah. camp, my God, I I, I feel like he's got to be six foot nine. I know he's listed at six foot yeah. eight. What's this game going to mean for him? Because you know, one of the things I I think you get a vibe out of in training camp is that while things are close to full contact, it's not quite. And, and, and this game, of course, you're going to see some really hungry guys who are trying to make rosters that are going to be going up against Stone. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's a great opportunity for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's getting more reps than he would have ever dreamed of because, you know, last week, especially in the mock game, because of Boyhe and Jones and, you know, of course, Brown weren't, weren't available. So, and you know what? I have to say, and I talked to Ray about this yesterday, you know, I'm like, is he that far behind? Is he struck? Because you hear, oh man, he's really raw and he needs to get low and everything. And I haven't really seen him like really struggle. It hasn't been really obvious or anything. And he said actually he's doing doing pretty well. So I, I don't. I'm not saying he's going to be your starter this year. I think if it's not Dwayne Brown and you know Jamarco Jones is healthy, I think Jamarco Jones is one of the better football players on this team. So you know, or it could you know it could be a boy he as well. But, you know, as far as the offensive line goes, they're, you know, if they can get Kyle Fuller or Ethan Posick figured out at center, you got two really good guards, Shell playing really well. And then, you know, and then I just think if you have like three fifths of your offensive line that's, that's really good, you're doing better than most. I mean, that's, that's True. a tough, you go to any NFL city, uh, there's not many where people are going to say they're happy with all five spots on their offensive line. So, um, but, yeah, Forsyth is interesting. You're right. I mean, it does present a leverage problem for him because he's yeah. so tall, but he has really good hands. I mean, his handwork is, is really good, and he's just so big. I just think he's he's hard to get around. You saw him, and I think Pete talked about this yesterday, that um, you know you saw him face some really good pass rushers, including Ojolari, the kid from Georgia, who he shut down. So um, I, I think uh, uh, he's going to be fun to watch, and the good thing is I, I don't know what his number is. I can't remember, but you'll see him, guys. If you anybody watching the game, you'll he will stand out to you because he is <laughs> literally. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is Dave Wyman. Dave, you're going to be on TV this weekend. How about that? Looking forward to seeing you uh, the, the broadcast of the game on Q13. Yeah, usually I say, hey, turn off the TV and, uh, you know, turn on the radio, but uh, not this time. So, no. There we go. <laughs> you know, I'm working at Kurt Manaphy, by the way, one of the nicest guys I- I've ever met. I've worked with him once before, and he is just 
He's a fantastic guy, so I'm looking forward to working with him. Looking forward to watching the game on that, and yeah, hearing you with Kurt Menefee. Dave Wyman, thanks so much, and looking forward to you later today, too, on Wyman and Bob. All right, well, I'll be on the plane, actually. But, oh, okay. Uh, so it's Bump today. Bump is filling That's in. That's right. Michael Bump says, like, the day has a marathon day. I forgot about that. Well, Dave, yeah, appreciate you. Let, I, I, see, this is my big problem. I never know what's going on here. I probably should figure that out, but that's just me. Dave, have fun, man. All right, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. I, I hope he finds a way to sneak off, you know, Vegas style. Come on. Come on, do it. Do it. Okay, I am Paul Gallant. It is the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710 how you texted. What do you want to see in tomorrow's preseason game out of the Seattle Seahawks? Your answers and a couple more thoughts that I have specifically about, I think, a positional group that hasn't really been discussed but could be the strength of this team this year. We'll talk about that next, too. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. That positional group I talked about before tossing to break, it's the tight end group for the Seahawks. And I say it because Gerald Everett should give you more than what Greg Olson gave you last season by default. Should. Keyword should. And look, Gerald Everett was never quite able to make it happen in Los Angeles. I know Lindsey Theory, who covers the Rams for L.A., told Mina Kimes on Mina Kimes' podcast when they were previewing the NFC West that maybe Everett just needed a fresh start. You have seen definitely a steady flow of passes to Everett in practice. After that, you got old reliable Will Disley. Guy blocks, guy catches passes. Colby Parkinson, I really want to know if this is a guy who's going to see serious playing time this year, and it's so much different having him as your third tight end than someone like Jacob Hollister because he's six foot seven, he's massive. When you have someone like that, and you can maybe put all three of those tight ends on the field at the same time, you got Chris Carson as running back, maybe it's DK Metcalf you have at wide receiver, or it's Tyler Lockett. I'm curious as to what the Seahawks can do and maybe play a little bit of bully ball where they just have a ton of dudes that are huge on the field and can do, I think, something that Pete Carroll sure loves to do, even though it frustrates a lot of you guys out there. Text in 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Got a bold, bold take from this guy who really wants to see a very random quarterback happen. The text, Gino, he'll flop. Sean Mannion, another Seahawks quarterback, for those who don't know, he'll flop. And we will see the rise of Alex Magoo. Dude's a baller, and I'm going to go out on a limb and call him a future cold coat. Uh, Just a little bit on a limb, huh? Here's my biggest observation from Alex Magoo. He has a massive leg tat. And in some of the practices, he's been wearing rather short shorts, and it's almost as if he's been wanting to show off said leg tat. It's like a leg sleeve. It's pretty impressive, not going to lie. He is definitely someone that has a lot of flair. Someone who's pretty emotional out there as far as quarterbacks go. Definitely the opposite of neutral thinking. He also got arrested in the offseason for punching someone in the face at a bar on St. Patrick's Day. So he's, uh, I don't know, I guess he's got a, a little edge to him. Uh, I, I, more uh, based off of watching him at training camp, that doesn't actually surprise me. <laughs> he's, he seems like he's got a bit of a temper. This is entirely based off of training camp. That is no reflection on what he's going to do on the football field, but thank you for adding that context because, honestly, I, I 
I'm really not You've surprised You've noticed by it, it, huh? He's, he's got a fire to him that the other quarterbacks certainly do not. Uh, what else do we have? Texted 710-710. Paul A., the Mariners are the top priority right now. I'm far more interested in the wild card race we're currently in over a preseason Seahawks game. You know, I wish I were in the same boat there. I thought to myself, going into today's show, how do I reassess what I expect out of the Mariners the rest of the way? Because I'm not expecting playoffs. In fact, I, I think definitively I will say right now, and I hate to say it, but they're not going to make the playoffs. So as a realistic Mariners fan, what are you hoping for the rest of the way? What I would like to see, and it starts tonight against Toronto, is a winning record in their 21 games against good teams the rest of the way. Toronto, Boston, Oakland, and Houston. Can they go plus 500 in those games? It's 21. And if they do, then maybe, just maybe, they can hang around and actually hold themselves in the wild card conversation. But they're going to have to win like 70% of their games at least the rest of the way if they want to be there. I think it's very, very unlikely that they'll be plus 500 against those teams. Though I do think that they will be plus 500 the rest of the slate. To be the last team out of the American League playoffs is probably a, a, a slightly more reachable goal or the second team out. Can you overtake New York? Can you hold off Toronto? Because New York is playing better. I know that they blew last night's game against the White Sox, who are a good baseball team. But Toronto is scary because now George Springer's healthy and George Springer is hitting. It's going to be a tough series for the Mariners tonight. Uh, one last text. What's going on with Rashad Penny? Penny's banged up. And I, I think it's definitely hurting his spot right now as far as his overall standing in the Seahawks running back group. Big thanks to everybody who tuned in today and to Dave Wyman who stopped by. I encourage you to check out 710 ESPN Seattle this weekend. Michael Bumpus is going to be on the pregame show. Excited about that. He's got a long day. He's going to be on Jake and Stacey. He's going to be doing Wyman and Bob this afternoon. Also, of course, you can see Wyman on the TV broadcast on Q13. And Ray Roberts is going to be doing the color call on, on 710 with Steve Rabel. So excited for all of that. Uh, big thanks to Dave, who stopped by earlier, to Maura Dooley, who produces the show every single day, to the texters and the tweeters and the callers. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy are next. Happy Friday. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend to go Hawks.